Marketplace is produced in association with the University of Southern California. For the Penn State football program, it's as if 14 seasons never happened, at least none of the wins, all vacated as punishment for the Jerry Sandusky child sex abuse scandal. And the list of disciplinary actions goes on. The NCAA, it seems, has had enough. From American Public Media, this is Marketplace. Make it a working lunch. Listen to the Marketplace Midday Update podcast for the day's top business headlines. Subscribe on iTunes or at marketplace.org slash podcast. From the Frank Stanton Studios in Los Angeles, I'm Tess Viglund in for Kai Rizdahl, and this is your Marketplace podcast for Monday, the 23rd day of July. The NCAA fined Penn State University $60 million today. The money part of the penalty for what NCAA Chief Mark Emmert called the tragically unnecessary child molestation scandal involving one of the school's coaches, Jerry Sandusky. Beyond that, the college sports governing body voided the team's victories for the past 14 seasons and banned it from postseason bowl games for four years. Beyond the big fine and the serious damage to the university's reputation, the financial impact is expected to ripple across the area's economy for years. Here's our senior business correspondent, Bob Moon. Don't tell the people who live in and around State College, PA, that it's only a game. Penn State football is a key part of their livelihoods. Last year, average attendance was more than 104,000. When those people flock to home games six or seven weekends each fall, they also pack restaurants and stores. Hotel rooms can go for 300 to 400 bucks a night. Which explains why Betsy Howell is grateful the football program wasn't suspended outright. She heads the Central Pennsylvania Visitors and Convention Bureau. I think this is a harsh penalty, but it could have been worse had they taken away their opportunity to even play at all. How much would that have cost the local economy? By one estimate, the football program generates more than $160 million in business every year. That might be easier to make up if the team were located in Los Angeles or Chicago. But at the University of Chicago, sports economist Alan Sanderson says it's not so easy in a small town. Now the games can go on, though. Loyal fans and alumni could, at least initially, help soften the blow. If 80,000 fans show up instead of 100 and you're still employing about the same amount of workers inside the stadium and and contiguous to it, uh, hotels, restaurants, it's not like nobody's going to go to the games. Sanderson still worries that four long years of reduced scholarships and weakened recruiting efforts could yet end up being bad for business. One has to admit straight up that Penn State won't be as competitive on the field uh, for several years, many years. Are people willing to come to watch a, you know, I don't want to say inferior product, but a less stellar product than they have in the past? Sanderson says the program could end up with a kind of death penalty, death by a thousand cuts. I'm Bob Moon for Marketplace. On Wall Street, stocks fell on more worries about debt problems in Spain. We'll have details when we do the numbers. It's been almost four years since Lehman Brothers went under and the world's financial system started to spin out of control. The fall of 2008 was all about Henry Paulson's Bazooka, the Troubled Asset Relief Program, or TARP, $700 billion in bailout for the banks. 
The bailout legislation created a special inspector general at the Treasury Department to oversee where all that money was going. Former federal prosecutor Neil Borofsky performed the job until he resigned early in 2011. Now he's out with a tell-all book of his experiences in Washington, including the time he was pretty sure Treasury Secretary Tim Geithner was about to haul off and punch him. It's called Bailout, an inside account of how Washington abandoned Main Street while rescuing Wall Street. Neil, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. You know, I have to tell you, uh, reading this four years after the fact, it's amazing to remember that the original TARP document was all of three pages, and it was completely designed to help homeowners by buying up troubled mortgages. There's a remarkable transformation of the bill as it made its way through Congress. Um, and it's important to remember that this was part of the legislative bargain, that TARP doesn't get passed just to help Wall Street, uh, that Congress insisted that there be foreclosure prevention and homeowner-oriented uh, programs as part of TARP. And those promises are, of course, subsequently abandoned. And, and part of it was there was never the same type of ferocious...